What's up, guys? And thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the Certifiable Podcast. Last time, we talked a bit about the origins of the <laughs> podcast and of the company itself. <laughs> Jesse tries to throw a tuft of fur into Brent Hearn's, uh, That was dangerously cup. close. Can't imagine why I'm having sinus Brent, issues. Allergy. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a literally drinking beast every day. Yum. It's totally fine, though, right? You're, you're going to be yeah. fine. Uh, but I thought since we talked about the origins of certifiable, we would need to talk about the origins Rick. of... <laughs> you know it's not going to fit in the cup holder, <laughs> and you're I still trying. <laughs> Maybe this one. You want to do some ASMR for this thing? What are you doing? I'm sure it sounds real pleasant to the yeah. mouth. <laughs> I don't know why it's not working, cook. Uh, but I thought we'd talk a little bit about the origins of the first game, going into Kickstarter, because we talked last time about Endangered Orphans and how it kind of came about, but we haven't talked about our main source of income here at the, at the uh, studio, which is the flesh Kickstarter. Tree. Oh, yes. no, <laughs> I just think about to say, Brent selling his body. <laughs> we can't talk about that one, not, not here. Um, so let's talk about why Kickstarter and what kind of some of the, the trial and errors and some of the successes that we've had with it. So starting with Endangered Orphans, why did you think Kickstarter was going to be the way to go with that? I didn't. I was actually full force pulling. Anti I was anti-Kickstarter. Because I, I only had one Kickstarter experience, and it was, not, it was not left as a great one. Right. And my attitude was off, I guess, because when uh, we started going down the road of Kickstarter, I remember thinking, well, if I could do Kickstarter, why do I need this company? You know, that was just my thought sure. process of, of it, you know, because then all of it's going to come to me and not realizing everything that went into it and all the time, you know, to, to create something. And uh, I just didn't want to do Kickstarter. But it was just logical. We ended up reaching more people than we ever could have. It was just my... My first uh, project, it was just that thing. There were so many cooks in the kitchen, and it was more of a job as opposed to endangered orphans was certifiables, and therefore certifiable could make all the calls. So Right. Enlighten us. But then, so we ended up doing um, orphans, and it was just that thing. It, it it took a life of its own, and to the point that there's this fear to jump ahead. Uh, you know, we we do these Kickstarter campaigns, but when what was it? Because we did we did orphans, then who goes there, then stuff. When stuff had come along, we'd already had a we did the book. Yeah, the book. And it had a Kickstarter voice. You know, there was this thing, this this song and dance people expected. Well, when stuff came along. We didn't have a video guy. We, the Anthony was buried under orphans. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> I get the flesh trade. <laughs> uh, Anthony was neck deep in orphans. And uh, so there was, we were just, I don't want to say we were understaffed. It wasn't true. We just, we didn't have a game plan. It was just, which is funny. It is so funny because you look at any Kickstarter out there and it's just, it's a Kickstarter. It's a right. this Kickstarter campaign. Halfway through ours, we actually had people saying, what's up with this? It's a regular Kickstarter campaign. And there was this, and is, a pressure the moment we launch. P people have said it over and over again. It's the, oh, time to get your popcorn out. You know, I, I, I come for the game, but I stay for the show. Right. And that is 
just a stupid amount of pressure. You know, because when we did it, when we did stuff, we were like, we don't have any gimmick, we don't have any anything. And it wasn't until the Pantone Friday that we found this funny voice, and that kind of opened things up where we were starting to have a lot of fun, and you could all of a sudden just the flavor of what stuff was went quickly, and. Um, it just it, it gave it, it the backers are the voice. We just got to go into it. They'll come up with like the with the frosted brownies joke or the I mean just place joke here that they've come up with and we run right. with it. Hell, sugar ponies, you know, was had the life it had because of the backers, uh, and just it was those things are, are I think pantsless Rick or throat punch Thursday. These are things that the backers had come up with that we run with. So like we're talking about our next campaign. You know, we've been talking about that a lot lately, and it's just that thing that we don't, we know it has to be entertaining. Um, and the game is what the game is. On the game aside, campaigns alone, it just makes you say, okay, what are we going to do entertaining? Because they're going to want this thing. Is, and it's, is it high video quality? Is it, you know, where's the humor going to come in at? It's, it's just a dumb amount of pressure for something yeah. else. So unnecessary. You go there, you buy the game, and you wait until they come out. But just you kind of expect people to say, oh, "This is, you know, this is slow." Where's the jokes at? Why isn't this funny? It's because it's a campaign. And and that is a problem that I think it's a problem, and it's a good thing at the same time. Where certifiable, you know, we we do put out good games. We put out games that people are interested in, whether it be for the art style, whether it be for the concept. But as you said, they do stay for the interactive uh, element in the cove and the uh, in the discord and the discussion areas what kind of pressure and you kind of hit on it briefly but what kind of pressure was there when orphans started to create this um, brand that we now have well the pressure didn't exist until the next campaign because there was no pressure there was zero expectations we wanted to hit our goal and move on but because we had just, a, for what it was, we had a stupid amount of comments and what they had started calling the Comet Cove. Right. It was not a um, Q&A session. It was people talk, putting poetry down and whatever. I mean, they had all kind of stuff. They were playing, like, you know, riddles and, and, and poems and, and jokes and... And just conversation. People started talking about how their day was, and uh, you know, somebody has to hang out. It was a hangout. It was a big community hangout. Like somebody had a baby, and they were celebrating. It was just this bizarre thing. So technically, they took the pressure off of us because it just did what it did. Uh, it wasn't until the next campaign came around that, that we realized people started saying, "Oh, I can't wait for you. I can't wait to see what y'all do next." And we're thinking it's just going to be a game, right? And uh, then when it it came out, it was people wanting anti-stretch goals or wanting like the joke and the poems, and it's right. like, well, that's not really what we do, <laughs> you know. But it is, it is now. So yeah, the pressure didn't happen until after the campaign, and people expected this to be the thing from here on out. Right, and I think a lot of that also the expectation is lit by the video quality that we're able to produce here by the artwork by the concepts because it, it it's tough that it's hard to fathom people wanting a box of Mississippi air right or people wanting you know these Digital little phone, these one off bands, yeah, yeah exactly rubber bands and things like that but do you how do you think this crowd came to us Obviously, the artwork probably drew them in first, and the artwork, especially for Endangered Orphans, had a specific 
style. It was dark, and yeah. I don't. I don't think I, there was. I'm sure plenty of dark things out there. This was cute and dark. This the thing that made it is the fact that you're talking about parentless children, and then this looming dark feel that the game had. I think that's because people would make comments by, am I, "Am I wrong for being so excited about this game?" and and it just. They they created that that voice and and again they'll, they'll, they did they've said it on every one of our games I love the art that's why I'm here right uh, but now that I'm here this you know then now they're able to say they like the quality like I like the art and then the quality is oh my god it's top notch and then you guys are funny and it's so funny because the game is like the last thing they they mention is oh oh yeah and it's the game is okay yeah the game's all right the game's all right and you were saying with stuffed you know there wasn't much too stuffed as far as extra things, extra goals that you could add to. Stuff was pretty much already done and oh, yeah, made and sitting there. So Sugar Ponies comes about and all these things. How, What kind of kickback did you get internally and externally for things like Sugar Ponies? Well, I remember Stuffed was one of those. I, The skin on that was time-consuming. That was, that was a lot of artwork. Uh, just to be put on these little cards for really no reason at all other than the extra mile. But it's funny because a couple of times, both, both times uh, that I could think of, and I'm sure there's more than these too, um, by uh, Dice Tower had made the comment on two different occasions. Once was the overproduced helicopter dice, which sure. I don't understand. I, I guess I understand why they're saying it, uh, by saying, God, this it's just a, a D6, but why is it so fancy? That's This is the biggest case of overproduction I've ever seen. But I was thinking, well, we, we paid for that. You know, that right. was, and if you're going to have a D6, why not have a nice one? Especially if you're just going to roll it once. And it just felt weird to say, from where I was, it felt weird to say, actually, I was taken aback going, are you complaining because it's good quality? Like it's overly good quality? Right. Does that seem weird for me? And then stuff came out, and the same thing. It was, man, this art is so beautiful. I wanted there to be more story to it. Okay. But it, there was, it was definitely there was a disappointment level of, God, this is so great, and all it is is rolling dice. It's like, so maybe I should have made the art match. Yeah. Should I have done stickmen because now it matches rolling dice? It, it's a, it's a bit of a kind of a lose lose because. If your game, let's say you have a game uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, and we make a game that's a 5 or a 6, it's, it's around average. We have to ask yourself, okay, well, it's fun, but, you know, it's it's just a good game. It's not a great game. Should we not put it out? Mm-hmm. Well, no, yeah, we should still put it out because it, we, we enjoy it. A couple of people like it. It's not a great thing, but there's, there's games out there we've played that's eh, but they're fun. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so, yeah, so we can put out an average game. Okay, but how much should we make it look? We could make it look really, really badass. No, no, no. The <laughs> right. game is just average, so we really shouldn't make it look better than it is. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing because... You're calling stuffed an average game. Do what? You're calling stuffed an average game. Well, so. brings a little stuff bias. They're just saying it was fun, okay. it was cute, okay. but it looked, okay. and I'm putting words now in their mouth, it looked better than what it was. Which makes you say, if I'm creating something, let me on a scale from 1 to 10 rate this game. Okay, it's a 6. Now let me go ahead and make the artwork a 6 too. 
because right. now and it right. just seems this dice is not that important. So you know what? Let me get a, a, a you know one through six pipped dice, mm -hmm. and we'll just shove it in there. And because you know it's like R is saying, you know what? Dice is a dice, but let's make an awesome one. Yeah. This card art is card art. The game is what it is. But, but they, you know, let's let's make it awesome. And yeah. they were disappointed because I just I wanted more interaction with the story. And I was just thinking, did, have, yeah, but it's a dice game, right? What, just what more did dice. you want? Yeah, yeah. what did you did you? How did you want this story, in any way, shape, or form, mechanically to tie into the artwork? And it just it makes you, as an illustrator and or a game creator, it makes you say, maybe lessen the art, lessen the quality. Right, and it's, uh, I don't understand it. And it's tough because you and Anthony are the the primary artists, and Anthony much more so when it came to who goes there. But along that lines, you know, we start. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> yeah, but that's different because that artwork clearly went to the lowest bidder. <laughs> oh no, no, we heard that. <laughs> not at all. Wow. That's not at all Somebody what I was made saying. a comment. Well, this art clearly went to the lowest bidder. Did somebody do that? Somebody actually said oh that, and God. we were like, at that point, it's like, are you just trolling or are you just? I think that's trolling. That's got to be trolling because that is some. Beautiful artwork. And that's, and that's that where game. I was going with this. We, you know, we start with Endangered Orphans, which is. <laughs> we start with Orphans, which is very dark, and there's. You could say there's a simplicity to the artwork, but then as we talked on the last episode, it went from just the cutouts to actually 3D rendered modeled figurines. Then we get to stuff, which is a dice roller, which a lot of the art is in the cards and some could say it is rather fleeting with the way that you play it but then we step up to the art book let's talk a little bit about the art book as a campaign itself <laughs> we, we got to because it's out there okay. it's out there all right we're gonna um, you want to do this you want to play let's play yeah we gotta play we gotta play on this one so the art book i think has been a bit of a thorn in the paw of certifiable because in the ball, Jesse. In the ball, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. Because yeah. so much has been put out there, and unfortunately, there was also a caveat with it uh, by the one of the guys who used to work here. Where hey, this is where we're going next. You guys get to choose what the next game is going to be. Let's put it in your hands. When really the book was meant as kind of a filler between the campaigns. Well, to be even clearer, it wasn't even that. Okay. Yeah, here. We were going to uh, CTN. Mm -hmm. We were going to CTN. We had these books made. Books were done. Well, at the time, it was him, because I wasn't even here. Sure, you were. But he had my books that I created, right. and he created these, and it was a good opportunity to... And, and that was the thing. It's, it's, uh, Anthony and I have been doing cons for 10 years, and this was just... We were going to go there. We were going to have a good time and rub elbows with the artists. And, so these books were already created. Right. Well, here we are with orphans, and we have the crowd just champ and get more of these books. They want more of these, you know, not books. They want more, 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 more. more. And, yep. and it seemed like the smart move, you know, because I think Rick had mentioned, let's just, the books are here. Let's, because it's going to be seeing the light of day for the first time at CTN. Let's let these guys say, you know what, since y'all are so awesome, we're going to put this as an add-on. Mm -hmm. While we got everybody just hot and bothered, they're wanting this stuff, let's put this book as an add-on and sell it that way. And just to say, look, y'all get it first. Right. And you'll exactly. be, because nobody outside of CTN is going to get this, but we're going to go ahead and give y'all a chance and we're going to sell it. And, and then one of the guys that was here, 
um, made the comment about, well, no, 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 let's make it its own campaign. Mm-hmm. It could be a short campaign, it could be this and that, and and I, I, I didn't necessarily agree or disagree. It could have been a good idea. I'm sure it was. It was there. The, I don't doubt there was logic to saying that. I, I, but I do remember one saying, "Well, let's do it as its own campaign." I do remember Rick saying, "No, let's do it now. We're here, and we have it." And very, very quickly on the turnaround, the book was released. But now we weren't even really dealing with the gaming or crowd anymore because it goes on a book page. And I'm not sure right. exactly because again, I didn't. I wasn't running the campaign. I just had done the book. And um, but the the way it was tied in was. It's a. It was a Kickstarter. What was it? Kicking the Kickstarter, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's what it. This, to be very clear, had absolutely nothing to do with myself or Rick. Right. Like this was introduced to us. Here's the idea, guys. This campaign, we're going to let them vote on what we do next. Now, keep in mind, the mechanics were nothing. You know, wasn't even done. Yeah, there's it was nothing just, but the artwork. But it was. Well, it, we don't have that. We don't have. It doesn't matter. We're just going to get a feel for what they like. Okay, I guess I could back that. We stuck it out there, and there was, like, the, the Bottle Top Chick's a good example. There was a backstory written, I think, for that that had nothing to do with the idea, nothing to do with me at all. And it was everybody was voting. Well, the problem is, a day, two days into that campaign, he bailed. Like, he just checked out. And me and Rick and I had, we didn't know where it was going. Well, now we don't know what, are we are we picking one of these games right. and where are these trailers coming from but it, it felt and, and it might have felt more extreme than it was but it literally felt like hitting start getting in the car and driving off and saying I'll be back in 30 days y'all run this and it was very you know kind of sent us into like a, a panic mode because we didn't know what the plan was it was his plan and that he took with him and uh, so now the the little black cloud is hey we are y'all going to do any of the, the games that we picked in your book and it was like Maybe, but it wasn't ever about that. It was just, here's a, you know, going back in time, I wish it would have been what it was. Mm -hmm. An add-on. To say, look, guys, this is stuff I've worked on for gaming concepts that I've played around with that I would like to one day launch. Because Orphans was in there. Bottles Mm -hmm. Hops is in there. Um, uh, uh, What else? Uh, Disaster. America's Sleepman is Astronauts. That was the other one, which is going to hopefully be a game. And so these things were in there. It was the art of gaming. It was all these games I wanted to do and had done and, uh, you know, going to put it out. And it just, it it was presented to the public as y'all are choosing. But the the book was done. And now they're like, well, yeah, but what did we vote for? I'm like, you really, I don't know. You you know, I have no idea why that was done that way. Yeah, I'm back to that book. I'm very angry about this. All of a sudden. I know this story, but now I'm very upset. (laughs) I'm back to this well. I can understand. But, But the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because... Because when we we put it out there as a Kickstarter, that's kind of one of those ones that got away from you. That's one of those ones that you did not have distinct control over. And so I think to that extent, it showed a different different face of the beast. Yeah, and it was our first and only non-game. So that's the way we could kind of say, okay, that wasn't even a game. That was just a book. But... Again, going back in time, I wish it would have been said or labeled as, look, here's a book. Me and Ann's about to go do stuff because yours was on there. Uh, Here's some books we're going to sell at CTN. If y'all want one, go ahead and grab it now. You don't have to go to CTN. 
that have been the cleanest, easiest, but it turned into these little mini videos, and, these, and I just, I was going along, I just didn't, I didn't know what the end plan, in the end game was. So. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think that it bit you so much as left some raw spots. Well, it that, annoyed me. Yeah. It just annoyed me. So then we get to who goes there. You've gotten the access to the book that inspires the movie that John Carpenter's The Thing, and... Now Anthony is on full-time, and it's, Anthony, who goes there, it was kind of your baby, as far as the art concept, wasn't it? Uh, for the most part, I, just, I wouldn't say baby, but I did manage most of it, just because other things were going on, and then once once we were going in a certain direction for style, it just, you kind of got to stick with that. Right. Uh, and it was just easier for me to do, um, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, we were working on that one for... After we started after orphans, but it was kind of uh, during ish. Well, while we were working, kinda, on yeah, orphans, during, but it was like six mm. months. Oh, I, I don't know where we got the number six months. It has to be accurate. We've been saying it for right. I just months. remember working on it in like winter of uh, I guess it was would have been two thousand eighteen or so eighteen. Yeah, and mm -hmm. then and then we didn't finish or kickstart until like that. six yeah, months before, later. Because I was before I, you were working on it before I left uh, next door, and that was. February of 2017, because I was over here when there was shit. stuff all over. Yeah, like remember because I helped you come up with the. Uh, oh yeah, the best, the, the best place, place I had is yeah. you. Yeah. Holy shit, he's right. Being worked on it was, it was early phases. Anthony got it was there were some call phone calls when they were still in Texas saying here's the idea for this and it was all built around these black cards, um, which we called black cards for a year and they become vulnerable cards, but it. it um, Say, so here's how the system could work, and I didn't have everything figured out, but I remember talking to him on the phone and getting excited about it. Well, when they got here, Anthony and I sat at that table. Again, I, we might as well have rolled out our sleeping bags. It was from the time we got here, which was at that point, or we were getting here fairly early, earlier than we do now, and then we were staying late, like averaging. 10 30 11 o'clock yeah. every night saturday sundays we you know pushing 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 we had dry erase boards and chalkboards filled we had paper index cards notebooks filled you know with all these ideas and just trying to narrow it down and we did that for, for six months and it got to the point that like we got to do something like we can't just keep talking about it and so we tried to say okay and and, and you know like several so one of the videos earlier it's how do you how do you know how, you know, rope could be used for this and metal could be used for this. Okay, let's put them in a deck. Well, how many? I don't know. How many of each? How, when, how do you draw? When do you draw? I mean, so we, we tried to come up with a, this lame foundation of a rule, and we sat there, and we went to play it for the first night, and we called, I guess it was Ryan. Three of us sat down. Okay, here's how we do it, and we played it, and it was, Corey, it was bad. Yeah. It was beyond broken. It wasn't fun it was it kind of like made you break into cold sweats because you could see this this you know succubus of the clock that you know it, it just all over time had been drained working on this and then we couldn't even play it and it was so broken that it wasn't like you know what the movement's not working right let's fix it it's like the movement, the drawing, the actions, the cards, the building, nothing was working. And we drove home, and, and I, wanted to, I wanted to cry in the truck the entire drive home. And the next day, without skipping a beat, we sat back at the same table and said, let's start fixing it. And we did. And I guess it was maybe six months, because it was like a year yeah. of just 
Until the Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and then even during the Kickstarter, because it's so funny, Rick would sit down, he looks at the art and going, what, what's, what's wrong with this? Why can't we just launch? And Anthony's like, hell no, that's that's crap art. That's just to give us something to demo. And it's like, but I think it's pretty. You know, it's like, no, right. it's not. But, it, but that's also, you know, Rick looking at it from the business angle, you and Anthony looking at it from the art angle, and knowing your capacity and your abilities, looking at it and going, I can do so much better than that. It needs to be so much better than right. that. But he just went to pretty art. He said, "This isn't." But what's wrong with it? It looks right. like flair. It's neat. It's yeah. like, but we know what it should look like up here. And because of that, now you go back and you look at that demo stuff. We have all the demo in a box, and you open the box up, you pull out like a flare or the dog food or whatever, and it's like, holy crap! It's just yeah. it, one is a screenshot from a movie, and one of them's a you know a crayon drawing on an index card. It's it's there's no comparison. But I think also one of the interesting things about who goes there is you had a a source material. You had a couple of different versions of it that you can go off of, but to go from a small card game to a dice game to now a game that takes up an entire table, all the elements that went into it, when you're launching into the Kickstarter, how much was already there and how much was like, okay, if we get this much money, we can make this better, or we can make this better, we can make this larger than what it is. Where did that come from? Uh, well, I mean, we, we kind of had a basic idea of what our components would be. Uh, I mean, for the most part, it wasn't a big shift. It was, I mean, if anything, it would be, okay, we'll use thicker cards, we'll, we'll use thicker cardboard, but still we knew it was going to be cardboard, you know, certain things like that. So it wasn't a big, it wasn't like all of a sudden we shifted into now we're going from plastic to metal coins or anything like that. So nothing that we were going to upgrade our components to was going to be such a big jump that we were going to be surprised. So we just had to find our ballpark figure uh, and then just plan our stretch goals of, okay, what are we going to unlock Right, component wise. Yeah, that was, you know, that was tough. That too. was that's the hard part because always, always trying to figure out um, what that starting point is, so that way uh, we still have stuff to stretch to, but yet we still want to give them a good quality product from the start. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is Kickstarter has this uh, like thing that it's built upon itself. Like everybody wants, you have to have stretch goals. Yeah, you, you have to. Yeah, you you can't just say, "Here's our product. We're gonna make this really cool product." Do you want it or not? It's like everybody expects. They, they gotta feel like they're people. getting something special that right. no one else would in a retail environment. A, I don't know. I know I'm speaking unintelligently. Like exploding kittens, I don't know if they had stretch goals. I know if you have a big fan base, it doesn't matter because they, right. they they love it for it. And we don't. We have a we have a loyal fan base, but it's not one of these hundreds of thousands of, of people. And, and that is the problem. Like I said, it, it's, it's an issue because we're talking about doing a campaign now and we simply don't know what a stretch goal could be for it because what we're not doing is we're not pulling the wool over their eyes saying, because when I think we started saying that when Who Goes There came out, or at some point, you start saying, okay, we're going to give you this kind of paper, but if you, we're going to stretch to this double linen, plastic, you know, infused, it's like, but now we're like... They know our quality is going to be good. Yeah. So we're starting with the double linen plastic infused, you know, polyurethane. It's, it's just this, our, our starting quality is going to be the best it's going to be. And we're going to right. reflect our price on that. So and then it's saying, well, where do you go from there? Well, I guess double-sided boards? Um, you yeah, know, it's like, like put, put maybe some plastic instead of cardboard. But and then you get into the role, the realm of the helicopter die. Mm -hmm. You know what? It, that's exactly right, because now... Why 
don't you say, you know, why isn't whoever could say a helicopter die self-produced? Why don't you look at a, a plastic token and stuffed and going, oh, self-produced, it could be cardboard. Mm -hmm. But then it wouldn't be as nice, I guess. Right. You know, and, and they all serve the same purpose. You know, it's a, it's a marker, it's a counter, it's a dice, it's a whatever, but make it make it nice. So and that is some of our big issues. You know, we're talking about doing, um, again, our current, our, our very next Kickstarter. We just, other than a double-sided board, what, yeah, what could that's why we did D6 the way we did. Uh, some people were whiny about it, and those were the new people. You could straight out tell our backers were the guys and girls saying, you know, like, because somebody come out and they'd be whining. I mean, the cards are all right, but I want a real stretch goal. Get, maybe add a new variant or add this, and they start throwing these things that they want, and then you'd have a backer coming out going, the game is where it needs to be. A, we don't want them to screw it up. Right. And B, they're giving us something. You know, stop whining. And and so you have the loyals that will keep these the people that come in you and whine. They'll keep them in check, which is fantastic, but because that you want to also reward these people who are being so fantastic, you know, mm -hmm. saying, but they were really, really, for the most part, everybody was really cool with D6. We had nothing to offer them. We had started off with, I don't remember, let's say, just say 30 heroes, which do nothing. It's completely aesthetic. It's cosmetic, yeah. Instead of drawing your own character in D&D, &D, we're going to draw yours for you and you choose. Well, here comes the stretch goal. What do, what do we give them? Well, for every eight thousand, we'll give them a new hero. Is it going to cost us eight thousand for another hero? No, but we can't give it to you for every thousand because a, we were going up the ladder kind of quick, and uh, frankly, I was tired of drawing characters. And it was that thing of I want to give you something. So I tell you what, as long as these numbers are growing, I will not stop drawing heroes for you until we hit that point. Mm -hmm. And then that's what we did. We ended up getting sixty, and some of the the backers were really appreciative, saying, no, that's awesome. You know, you're not messing the game up. You're giving me one more thing to choose from. You know, you're not going to break the bank doing it, and we appreciate it. And, and those, you know, it just it makes you feel good. Yeah. But they can't, we can't, like I said, that was only because we had absolutely nothing else to give them at that point. But I think also, and now going into D6, now, Anthony, you're doing so much more 3D rendering and modeling with the pawns, with the terrain, things like that. How did you visualize that as where it's going to begin and where it could go through Kickstarter, if at all? Did any of your did anything change with the Kickstarter campaign from where it would have been originally? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I think we had a good idea of where we wanted to go, except for the terrain, terrain. of stuff okay. being, you know, mini versus standee. Uh, because uh, in Who Goes There, we actually started with standees and unlocked mm -hmm. minis. In this one, we were just like, well, we're going to do minis anyway. So, you know, we, we knew that was coming. Right. Uh, and just unlocking certain things like the skill markers and the, uh, what else did we do? The We had some other we had oh, potion thing. bottles, yeah. stuff like that. So we, we right. had all those little pieces like that. We already <laughs> planned on it being... Uh, 3D, so that was there wasn't really any big surprises in that in that vein. Uh, but uh, and, and that's good to know. But I think that's also something interesting to look at is Kickstarter. Had this just been a straight to retail, I don't think a lot of these things would have been pushed as much as they were, like the potion bottles and things like yeah. that. But because it is Kickstarter, because we already know that the audience wants more and more, 
you yeah, start I, thinking about yeah I think our, our our approach with that is is it's it's retail versus not even Kickstarter it's retail versus direct sales because mm -hmm. retail we only get a very very small percentage so the problem is is that the game itself with all those components costs so much to make right so the problem is is when you take that into retail to make any kind of profit or even break even we have to charge way more it becomes it's, unreasonable yeah. to go to retail but when doing direct sales we get all the profit after production so that becomes makes more sense we can we can offer a higher quality product because what we're technically doing is just cutting into our profits more by saying you know well, we're gonna sell it for 60 but we're only gonna make X amount but if we went to retail right. we'd have to sell it for 120 and we'd still theoretically make even less than what we would if we went to direct sales and charged you less right um, but the problem is, is without retail, we don't reach a wide audience. So luckily, Kickstarter helps a little with that. But yeah. if, if we just decided to say, hey, let's go to China, let's make D6, and then let's start selling it on our website. Well, think about your overseas sales. That we would get us. a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the sales we got from Kickstarter because we just, it's like going door to door. And, you know, it's, it's only, you're only going to hit the people in your neighborhood unless you decide to fund your own trips and go to cons, but then it's only as then, far as you can reach. Then your money is going into going to the next con and hotels yeah. and flights right. and food. And it's, you know, he said, uh, made the comment, made me think, uh, the, that terrain, that was not a goal we hit. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew, which is weird, because Anthony, I almost want to ask, you know, we did terrain. And, you know, we got the, the, the environment. We got five environment types. Mm -hmm. um, and being there's four four terrain and then four of the same repeated dungeon. And that was something that was going to be a higher goal. We didn't hit it. And like we always do, we make games that we want to play. I really wanted terrain. I wanted to be able to you know, put the, the forest and the castles out and all that. And, and So I wanted to do that for me, and then I knew the backers would really enjoy that. We didn't hit that goal, so that was going to come out of our pocket, which layman's look at that and say, yeah, but you made so much. And But then you look at a game, which is my question here, uh, you look at a game like, is it Zombie Side or all these games, you're like, wait a minute, that game's that game's $7 and yours is 43 and they come with, you know, 10,000 unique minis and yours only comes with one. Right. It's like, well, I don't know, but it's expensive as shit for us. So it's like, why is it from mass production that they yeah, can I pull that off? I think there's a... a, a a certain amount of variables that go into that. It's it's a the minis. Uh, we, we were doing different colors, which mm -hmm. means unless specifically set up and you know very very uh, unique situation happens, you're molding one of each color that is going to be cast because they're not injecting multiple colors into this machine. So then they have to reset the machine to do a different color. You know we got different set up with orphans that we got lucky with where they you know, they routed different plastics all that stuff, but. Typically, it's only one color. So what happens is in most of these minis games, they're cast in gray plastic and people paint them. So you're getting multiple minis set on a one mold plate. So that way they're just injecting the same color into all these and also not having to switch out, you know, plastic uh, different colors. So I think that saves a lot on the mold cost, which is why, you know, you see a game with like 40 minis and you're like, how do they afford to, to sell this to us for $50? Well, part of it is that it doesn't cost as much with molds, but we had to pay for each mold individually because it's all different colors. Right. And other than that, 
a lot of it is also, I think, their, um, their quantities. Like most of these campaigns that do really well have 10 to 30,000 backers, you know, so you're getting far larger order quantities, which means D6 that costs us, you know, just for uh, conversation purposes, $20 to make. You now make 20,000 copies of that, it's probably going to go down to more about like $13, mm-hmm. maybe $15. And they're getting all the stores cheaper retail. Right. So, mm-hmm. so that, and that's also the problem with stretch goals, which is they've evolved into something where you start adding more content, but the, the, the true stretch goal is literally saying, hey, here's a game I can afford to set this goal for, if I make this game as it is with cardboard and, and paper and all this and that, I need $10,000 to make this. Mm-hmm. The more people that order this game gets your production costs down and down and down and down, which means, you know what, for $10,000, now I can afford to go to a thicker cardboard, a thicker right. cardstock. You know, and it's still going to average the same amount of money for the same amount of units. Right. That's the stretch goal. The problem is, is it's evolved to people just want more. They don't understand yeah. what a stretch goal is, and it creates this problem. Now we have to create more content, which is actually costing more money. And that was one of the big issues we got, and which was one of the things just because I was close to it annoyed me. Uh, when they referred to who goes there, I can't believe I'm paying. What was the price on that on a hundred hundred dollars for a card well, game? The deluxe, yeah, yeah. And we're like, are you serious? Right. Because there was another game that came out that was literally just a card game. It was an expansion to a and had less cards. Builder. Yeah. Than ours did. And for their price, I'm like, are you, you kidding me? Because this had more plastic than you know you would even realize. Not to mention the cardboard pieces, but it's it's just that thing. It's like you know that damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's just the eye of the beholder. Because some people looked at that and was like, what's wrong with y'all? This is awesome. And other people said it's it's way too expensive for a card game. Right. But do you also look at like who goes there? Where your inserts that you created? There is a place for everything. Whereas with some of these larger games, you just, you've just got a box yeah. and maybe like a couple bags. of Ziploc bags, and you're lucky if you do it. But it's, as you said, because so many people ordered it because of the way that the Kickstarter went, you were able to create these inserts that were able to be stackable, were able to fit everything in order, and then you even, on the box, right. printed out exactly where everything goes. It's those, little, it's those little nuances that we include that really, I think, help out and endear us to the Kickstarter community. How did we get the deal going with Kraken Dice? Um, it's exactly what you said and, and goes into this. You know, it's once again we're making the games that we want to play. Right. We want to package them this way. I want a nice insert. I want plastic terrain pieces. I want to see how to to put the, the box back together. And um, Kraken, I we have just a stupid amount of RPG dice, and I would say. 60 to 70 percent of the Krakens. I'm just a fan. And yeah. Do, do I think they, they look really different or roll different than Chessex or Game Science? No, I, I don't. But I like them. And that was just a matter of reaching out to them, thinking there's no way we could do anything. And Kraken, you know, ended up getting on the phone with us and saying, This is great. And, and then they suggested not only because we just wanted to say Kraken, it would cost us more just to be able to say it. Right. I didn't care. I wanted that. But they turned around and said, I'll tell you what, what if we make D6 unique colors that cannot be sold outside of the game. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy crap, yeah, it's awesome. So, you know, that's it's that thing where you're able to kind of plan ahead and say, this is really neat. This started off saying, I just want some, you know, each game comes with crack and dice, but now I'm able to say, no, no, each game comes with these unique 
only buy them here, you know, colors where it's, I think, brown and clear swirl, and then and the other one is like a turquoise yeah. and clear uh, swirl. And I was thinking, uh, as I was saying that, you know, we'd even planned ahead when stuffed had, had come out. If you look at your stuffed coins, there's the heart on one side and the plus one on the mm -hmm. other side. Well, the coin is the coin. It's just the currency. Two coins buys this, three coins buys that. That was planned ahead. We knew by time we went from cardboard to plastic on stuffed, we had the mold. And we knew D6 was on the rise. So those symbols on that were set for D6, which hadn't even been completely created yet. Right. And it let us start with plastic to cut our price and their price price down. We didn't do the thing on, on there where we go, you know what, we're going to do paper here and plastic. No, no. because y'all funded our last game, we're going to change that same thing with a different color. And now your HP and your monster buffs are now going to be those stuff coins in red. And that kind of thrilled me. It was like the first and one of the only times we got to say, hey, we planned ahead. It exactly. But the, but also talking about playing ahead with D6, when you are going from 30 characters to 60 characters and having to draw all these new ones, it's not just the artwork. There's also a story that goes along with it. And that's where Hearn comes in. Where Hearn, this is where you kind of jumped in with your employment with a certifiable is with the kicks with the D6 campaign. So when they initially tell you, okay, we got 30 characters, but we're looking to do more, what was going through your head as far as the writer of pretty much every word in this thing? Well, to start with, I didn't even know about those at first. It was we waited. We have a we have a we have a book, and then we're gonna have a hundred little stories. Oh, okay. I, I could. It won't take long. I can do that in a week or two. I had these stories. Oh, and can you do the rules? It's, yeah, it, 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 it's, it, yeah, it just kept growing. But the the character stories were a lot. Actually, the whole th there were parts of every aspect except for the rule book. They're fun. <laughs> the rule book is something you need. You gotta have it. Uh, everything right. else has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it fun. Um, but yeah, the the character stories were. Had, well, it was true for. I'm trying to think, what it was more true for the characters than uh, than the events, but it was a little bit true for both. Where some were mine, like it was some were just like this came from. Uh, okay, this is something I'd, I'd like to write. Some were a few of them were drawn from work that had been done before I, I had gotten here, uh, and then some were Jesse's that I wrote out, and a lot, and some were both of ours. Like mm -hmm. here's kind of an idea, and I, I would run with it, go back check with him. Well, you'd come into the office right. and you'd say, here's what I got. And then we'd, you know, where you are when you're a creator, I'm sure most people that are listening, you start yeah. talking to your buddy and then they start throwing, the, oh my God, what if he did so-and-so? And all of a sudden, Brent would get two or three ideas for different characters out of this one thing that we were laughing over and he right. was just able to run with it. We did right. some with the events. We did a lot with the characters. Like there were some of the characters where Jesse had kind of something in mind he wanted. He knew... Uh, you know, he knew maybe he knew one one specific thing about the character. Maybe he had kind of a general idea. Uh, then there were things ones that I he didn't necessarily like I, I don't know. And so I, I would do it for and check with him. And there were a lot where it was like, what if we did this? And then this. Hey, and Randy. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you following the campaign, Randy was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, there were so, and then there were some that you know just it kind of organically grew to where. Because these things were happening concurrently, the book, it wasn't like I worked on the book, then I worked on the characters. It was kind of all intermeshed. But it was uh, like there's a few short fiction pieces in there, like the uh, Luna, Luna. And, yeah, the, the, and the girl, uh, and so she ends up in one of the events. And then so there's some there's some interesting crossover to where one informed the other. No, Randy, 
he's in some of the story because I remember Randy's, he became Randy's a character, but he wasn't at first. He, right, he was. He's the board. It was literally like uh, it, it was one of the, it was it was in the event because it was like uh, you thought, of, but but Randy. Last time you checked, Randy Randy wasn't missing half his face. Yeah, because it was also you can't trust Randy. Yeah, and then he turned. Yeah, turned it into turned this, this thing, thing like, for everybody. To, these heroes. I'm going to say they don't have names, but I guess technically yeah, the I mean, moment you wrote this story, they didn't have names at first until Brent came along, and we would name them. They were just and sometimes a they, warrior or right, whatever, yeah. but he named Well, sometimes it, it is still just general, kind of general. Well, but like the, the, the warrior is. princess. Or the yeah. warrior, but then some of them do have specific names. And, so, so, and, Shasha and, has yeah, a name. And Randy was that, like, we didn't know, I, I didn't know who Randy was when I said that. Like, I, there was no... Connection then to what Jesse had drawn is literally part of the story, but then I saw a picture of the really goofy guy. He's, like, playing, a little, he's playing a little flute. He's this big old That's boy. He's like, There's Randy. <laughs> but yeah, so it kind of all you know was this creative gumbo. We just thought five right about a guy that doesn't even. You know that's and that's interesting because you you start with a when you come in having worked for Mad Genius before this doing PR doing marketing type uh, copywriting, and then to come over here and be able to use a lot more of your style your voice into these what was supposed to be this big is now so much bigger. How much how much of you thanked that the Kickstarter has made it this big, and how much are you cursing Kickstarter that's making this big? Well, I mean, it's it's really it's really cool overall. One, just backing up a little bit, we we're talking about you know these the backers who you know long time like loyal backers. It's easy to please them because they know what to expect, and it's like you know that's a problem that's eventually going to take care of itself because 15 years from now they will their kids will be buying the games. So <laughs> right. be two 30 years from now, it'll be three generations. <laughs> we'll all be dead. Right. We'll be out of business. That's right. Wait. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> you mean the grandparents are talking about <laughs> checks <laughs> LinkedIn <laughs> updates LinkedIn this afternoon? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like it was. De it's definitely a bigger thing than I thought it was going to be when I came on. Just just because it it's grown so much that and part of it was just because I didn't have a com complete appreciation yet for the the scope of the game we were working on. Not that I did. I mean, it was a big project, obviously, but it is like it's. It's not even just one of those things where it's like, oh man, I just I didn't know what I was stepping into. I guess it's always no, it's not always. That's the thing. Even for what you know, the, as far as the storytelling aspect, you no, know, I mean each of the other games had their own challenges and were, had you know beasts to deal with in their own way. But like from a storytelling aspect, not all our games are, are going to be like this, and they've ne not have they haven't been like this in the past. So it's it's a unique challenge, but it is also a thing of like there are those days when it's like. Somebody's gonna throw their back out when they pick up this box, and somewhere I'll be laughing. <laughs> and, then, and that is because you know they have gone from these small boxes. It's the new. It's gonna be me. That's what's gonna happen. The cool irony is like, oh, it's no, it's going to be Rick with his bad back, and he's so, he's so excited about these six. We're just going to come in one day, he's going to be laying on the floor. Rip! <laughs> you know, Coffee, you and I were talking about the, the other day where, you know, it started small with Endangered Orphans, small package. It gets every single game is getting larger and larger to now D6. The deluxe edition is going to be, what, like 14 pounds? No, yeah, it's going to be, well, hopefully not that heavy. Uh, our box will weigh more than a baby. Yeah, our box it, will be massive, but I, I don't think we'll be at 14. Hopefully, we'll yeah. be in the 7 to 8 range, maybe 9. But it's but they're getting larger and larger, yeah. so is that, 
Is that something that you guys are no. keenly aware <laughs> Our next one's going to be tiny. Right. Is that something that you're keenly aware of when you're, when you're making these? Like, okay, we've gone to this extreme. <laughs> just see the Ark of the Covenant where right. else. That's our next one. And it's just for one game. So does, it's more people carrying it on there. Is that, look at it. is that something that worries you guys where you've gone to this extreme with D6? If you are to scale it back for the next one, are you worried that there's going to be a group of backers who just aren't going to be involved in it because it's not this grandiose thing? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Indiana mentally, Jones mentally they're good. opening the box. Don't look at it. So many components. <laughs> okay, get it out of your system. <laughs> oh, I was trying. Oh. But if you do scale it back, are you worried that there's going to be a group of people who are just not going to be on board with it? Well, that's always a problem that we we have to worry about with Kickstarters now is we, we, we raise the bar every time, constantly, constantly, constantly. At some point, we start designing new concepts, and we're like, it seems too simple. You know, is is can, can we even kickstart that? It's just right. just cards and one die, you know, theoretically. It's it's like you, you, you're, you kind of... We've had that exact conversation. Yeah, we, we, we have that, that, that situation that we, we create this internal problem now. It's like, well, we, we our last one was this big. Can we even go to a Kickstarter with this? It's only going to cost $20. You know, it, it, it creates a... Right. A, like, kind of like a... It's a stigma. Yeah, it's like a stigma that we, we were worried about. And it, and it actually... We have to be conscious not to let it affect the design process and say, you know what, we, we want to come out with a simple game. That's fine. You know, we, we'll just... We'll move on to the next one right after it. Are we allowed to? But yeah, Yeah. it's that thing where you have a fan base that, quite frankly, expects certain things. So now you come out with something out of left field, you know, they they honestly might not be interested in it. And that's just the way it goes. Because it's too simple. Right. You you get a bunch of minis playing fans that like minis games, and they like to paint them and do this and that, and all of a sudden you release a card game that has no minis, you know, they're not going to be interested. That's just business. That's the way it goes. So We have that, like... What you said, we had card, now it's dice, now it's a social deduction, and now it's an RPG. What's next? It's like, can we go back to a card? Are we allowed to do yeah. that? Is that legal? You know, and because when we were talking about, we worked on a Cat 22, which was a family game. Uh, very, let's Uno meets Phase 10. I was so worried that are we allowed to do that? Because our last game, you realize the rule book was the size of you know Harry Potter. It's like, are we allowed to do this? Because you know, how do you play? Well, you just flip this over, and then the next person does so and so. It's like, well, you can't. That's not a game. You can't do that. You know, there's where do you put the minis? And and there is a legit fear. Sure. You know, we talk. We're talking uh, in the midst of we want to release. Uh, we played poker a week ago or so, and yeah. um, all of us actually were there, and. It made us say, ah, oh, Brent, I'd love a deck of certifiable cards. You know, I bet, I bet people would, too. I was like, I don't know. You know, it's like, are we, are we allowed to kickstart that? <laughs> you know, right. and, and what we're doing is we're kickstarting it not to see if we could make it, but we're using this retail saying, well, look, we're doing this for us. How many of y'all want one, too? But it's this, like, well, how do we run the campaign for that? What if it's not funny? It's just a deck of cards. You know, it, it's... Stupid, scary. Yeah, and that, I think that's one of the one of the the scary things about Kickstarter is certifiable. We have a brand. We know 
with our art, with our humor, we kind of know where we're going with this, but are we more than just that in the Kickstarter realm? If we do these small projects, will the people still come along with us based on what got them to the dance in the first place, be it the art, be it the mechanics? So, I mean, that's something that you kind of have to think about, and it's interesting because we are a company that is based with Kickstarter. So, without Kickstarter, what are some of the avenues that we're looking into? I don't know that we are. I like those kiosks at the mall. There are people Good. yelling. Good. Yep, exactly. <laughs> puzzles. We're, just, we're turning into a puzzle company. We're going to be like, get your puzzles. But yeah, that, that is the thing. We have play cards. Yeah, we, we have, have puzzles People with flying now. airplanes. Going, we're, we're putting them together. Puzzles. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> so do, do you think there will be an aspect where we'll start branching out into puzzles, card games, well, there cards, is. things like that? We yeah. have, uh, we did a little, I think you shot a video. I think we posted it. Four puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um... There's a plushie people don't know about. Right. There is the next campaign, which people are guessing about. There is the 2.0 that's coming out soon. Mm-hmm. There is uh, the revamp of the next campaign coming right. out soon. There is the puzzles. In. Oh, enamel pins. We've talked to the point that I'm like, I think it's just a matter of us doing it. Right. Uh, and then finally, uh, well, playing cards. If we go that, T-shirts is the one we're really wanting yeah. Um, I, but I but all these will not be Kickstarter. I don't think so. T-shirts definitely not. Enamel pins, I think those will be an add-on during a Kickstarter. Sure. In fact, I think that's how most of it is. I think most of... <laughs> Just add-ons. Other than like the games, I said, I think most of it's add-ons that will say, hey, here's the campaign. Here, You're here for this. But And we're mainly talking to the fans. Y'all have been asking for this. Mm-hmm. We're going to release this now. And, and whether it be like a dog mud shirt or like a... a, a whatever pin, right? you know, like a, a chibi, you know, D6 chibi pin, something that I think a lot of them really want, the question is, like yeah. to the puzzles, if, if it's a related game, it makes sense, like, hell, the D6 puzzles, there's two of them, would mm-hmm. have been great to put during the campaign, I think we did, but it was well after the fact, during updates, uh, but that's like the type, type of thing we take to shows, and that's mm-hmm. the type of thing that's on the website, the, the store and stuff, so right. there is that, I just, I don't think it's a Kickstarter thing. Yeah, exactly, so... But all that is because of the fans wanting it, because we think a couple of things are cool, but they oftentimes will bring something to the table that we had no even interest well, in. Well, they are the ones that brought up uh, the puzzle during Orphans, the enamel pins during um, Stuffed, and it carried over to D6. What about oh, the coins? Oh, yeah, that was the coins. I forgot all about the coins, because yeah. that was not me. I, I ate crow on that one. I had zero <laughs> intention. I thought it was dumb. I just didn't see the point. And Anthony was like, people buy these. And I just didn't get it, but it, people loved them. They, yeah. And now that I'm, I have them, like, they, they are kind of cool. They are kind of cool to have this. I mean, it's one of those things, like, at a con, it's like a, you don't need an enamel pin. But sure. I, I definitely will enjoy going and finding a really cool enamel pin. And I'm like, I'll buy this, stick it on my backpack. You know, same with the coins. It's like, at least the way I would like to design them is... is they're dimensional. They're not just. Mm-hmm. You're not going to somebody's table at a con and just buying a quarter. You know, I, no, and absolutely, there's so much depth with to them. it. Yeah. So the idea is, is you're not you're not just buying a coin. You're buying, in theory, a a collectible, a sculpture, a something. So it, it's it comes from like my interest of liking to. Oh, it's like I, I'd like to see that at a table. I'd buy that. You know, it's yeah. like versus going to a table that just has a bunch of prints and you know nothing that's 
of any kind of dimension or depth. I, it's yeah. just a different thing that would usually attract my eye at a store. So something a little like, more tangible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like those those types of things, like like an enamel pin, even though it's for the fleeting moment that you pin it to your <laughs> backpack. Right. I, I like those those tangible things, and not necessarily you know a print is always awesome, but being able to sit there and hold this coin and flip it and touch that's it that's and feel it, it's, I enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. That's, that's where that came from. Was just the, like all the stuff we do is just things that we would like. But that's where I was, I didn't, the pin made sense, because I'm like, I'll buy that, it looks cute, I pin it on my backpack, and now people see it. Now mm -hmm. everywhere I go, it, it characterizes things I like. It's no different than having a cool picture on your shirt. Yeah. It's the exact same thing, you buy shirts because of the design, and, and uh, the, the, the coin, I was like, what? You don't walk and you can't pin it. You can't, well, it goes in your box, and but like you, he had his. I'll use mine. I mean, it, which is why another reason why I love the fact that we're thinking about doing playing cards as a poker player. It works perfectly because last time I was at the casino playing poker, the dealer wanted to buy my. Uh, which one did I have? I had my coin. I've got the stuffed one too. I haven't taken it yet. Uh, but like poker players love stuff like that, and it's the fact like, that he was approached. Yeah, that's like, pretty fun. I'm so glad we did yeah. that. You know. Now, what do you use the coin for it's when a, you're doing it's poker? It's a card protector. Like if you, okay. for, yeah, for those uh, super quick explanation. You, if you, if your cards are not protected in some way when you're playing at the casino, and another card touches yours, your your hand is mucked. It's thrown. It's it's considered dead hand. You could have. $100,000 on something, you could have the winning hand. If somebody's card accidentally touches yours and it's not protected, it's dead. So it's, it's a small investment. Some people just use a chip or whatever, but it's just that cool thing where people notice other people's card protected. Hey, man, where'd you get that? Uh, for a while, freaking fidget spinners were everywhere. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, like it's, but people notice that stuff, and you know, we, we just need to. And that one's cool because it looks like yeah. the poker chip. Like, it looks like a, you know, poker chip 2.0, which actually we have talked about. <coughs> Uh, designing. If we do this this um, set of playing cards, uh, it's it's we'll go into it more later. But it's not even it's a team up uh, set where it's certifiable and another outside illustrator and beautiful beautiful cards. We're talking about releasing that, but then it got brought up about well, God, let's do a poker set. What if we design a coin that comes with any poker set, not mm -hmm. not this one set, but if we do it as astronauts or we do. Uh, uh, whatever certifiable set of cards this same coin is always released with it and, um, and then what if we did poker chips like the, the nice clay right. with the dog from the dog mud, dog mud. Yep. and you'd have the brown and the reds and uh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool yeah. Yeah. I'm not even a big poker player but I'm like, that would be really cool yeah, dog, absolutely. Mud, dog mud branded breathalyzer for after you leave the game <laughs> <laughs> it barks if you're okay right. wines if you're not yeah. <laughs> exactly so, I mean, folks, we just wanted to come on here and talk a little bit about, you heard the history of Certifiable, now you've heard a little bit more about how we kind of got into Kickstarter. We're going to be doing a lot of things with this podcast where we're going to have you, we definitely want you guys to send in questions that you maybe want to hear answered. We're going to be talking to other artists of other board games, but board game producers, there's a lot of things that we can do, but we definitely need your help in giving us some ideas. So definitely uh, put it down in the comments of this podcast. You're going to find on every one of your podcast providers. Apple, Google, Spotify, Play, uh, all kinds of things. So tune back in. We're going to try and do these about once a month. We thank you guys for tuning in. And it's a little uh, insider look at what we do here at Certifiable. So until next time, we'll catch you guys later. Peace.